Can I say we'll give it up? Sean Johnson. Yes, sir. Welcome Mr. to the podcast. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Shatrand. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like to start with some early musical memories. I know that you grew up uh, in Massachusetts. No. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I grew up in Massachusetts. Um, there was a few stops before that because my dad was in the Air Force. Okay. So yeah, we uh, we moved in the middle of school year every other year until okay. I was uh, ten. Okay. But you kind of landed. Landed in Massachusetts, and, and so where was he based out of then? If you if you were living in Brockton, or did he retire at that point? Oh, that's when he retired. Yes. Okay. Right. He was at uh, Hanscom. We were in uh, Bedford, Bedford, Mass, and then uh, Reagan got in, and they said you could retire. A couple years early, so we don't have to pay you the real pension, or you can go to Turkey. <laughs> and thank God, my father, he retired and took less yeah. took less money, so I didn't have to grow up in boarding school in Turkey. Right, right. Because <laughs> that's what would have happened. Man. Right, right. Do you have any any memories, kind of early memories of maybe music that, that your folks were into? Oh, yeah. Or siblings were into? Tons. Uh, every Sunday... My father had his uh, music room, and he would listen to jazz all day long, Sunday, mm-hmm. as long as, you know, he didn't have anything to do. And that's where I, you know, that's where Miles and, mm-hmm. like, he would listen to Ray Charles, like, all the, all the greats, mm-hmm. Louis. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's probably my earliest memory. And my sisters, who were, you know, 10, 12 years older than me. I rem- what I remember most of them were the Funkadelic album mm. colors, mm-hmm. you know, Funkadelic Parliament album covers, and I was just like, what is that? And then Michael Jackson, of course, was right. everywhere. So you're the youngest of three? Five. Wow. Yes. Right youngest on. of five. Um, three sisters and a brother. My brother passed before I moved to Arizona. And uh, yeah, that was one of the biggest reasons why I moved out here. Really? Yeah. It was because, uh, you know, he was my only brother and we, we spent a lot of time together. And uh, when he passed, it was... You know, his ghost was everywhere. So I was mm-hmm. like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. Well, before you move to uh, Arizona, what like what's happening? You, you, you mentioned that you picked up oh. the guitar relatively late. But what was happening kind of musically in your life before that? I had uh, moved down to Cape Cod for uh, three, four years. I moved back to Brockton and started a band. Well, got asked to be in a band. I was in a band called Sky Fountain. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it was like a rap metal almost, mm-hmm. I guess. And what year was this roughly? 90, 90, 90 okay. between 92, between 92 and 94. Okay. And uh, yeah, and I had, I had a lot of, I had, my best friend lived on Martha's Vineyard. Mm. So it was like, he wanted me to move there and start a band with him. And I was like, it's too small. Mm. Like, it's like, I'll go through. 
I will be hated on Martha's Vineyard within a year. So, I'm yeah. My parents and my sister lived out here, and so I moved out here. And uh, because I I moved out here because basically the gin blossoms. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, I want I want to do that. Like you know, just you you. Heard, I heard so much about Mill and. I was, I just, all I wanted to do was play coffee shops. That's all I wanted to do. And uh, I came out here and just started playing coffee shops. And that led to meeting musicians and which was 95. I moved here in 95 and the Super Bowl was here and the national championship game was here. And I was like, this place is heaven. Man. Yeah. I, I loved, loved Tempe. Yeah. You know, cause Massachusetts, it's just so, I don't know. It was very confining yes. to me. Yeah. You know, and Tempe is it lends itself to being young, uh-huh. you know. And I had I was young and I had a good time, yeah, a real good time in Tempe for years. So you, but so you came out here already playing the guitar, yes, or, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. I play I, I, I play guitar, but in in that band, I just I was just singing. Mm-hmm. I was singing and acting crazy. And what was the? Did you have like a template for that style of music? I know that there was some bands. There were some bands that were kind of doing that metal, oh. hip hop thing. Was there a template for you that you were trying to emulate, or no. was it no, kind no. Of creating new stuff? It was. It was a. It was a pretty new sound because, um, it was you know because we had a we had a keyboard player too. Mm-hmm. So it was a six person band, two guitars. I was just singing drums, bass, keyboards, and I yeah like I said I was just singing, but uh, it was like very. It was very Brockton. Mm. Like the music was Brockton and like the vibe was Brockton. But in what sense? Describe that. Because I, I mean, I don't know Brockton that well, but. It's an angry play. Like you have to fight. Huh. When you, when you, I had, I had like 50 fights between, at least 50, between like third grade, fourth grade and seventh grade. Huh. You know, like you, you. You know, you take your lumps and you, and you yeah. win something. This but back then there was there wasn't there weren't n- nobody had a gun back then. Right. You know. Right. And uh, so, I mean, I got hit with a brick, things like that. But yeah. <laughs> I still have the scar. It's a. But yeah, it's just it's a. But I still have the best friends ever from Brockton. Yeah. Where where I ended up, I ended up meeting these people, and uh. <laughs> In the middle of the city, this grimy city, we found this little patch of woods and we'd play acoustic and listen to the dead and like everything yeah. changed once we started listening to the dead. It was yeah. like it's like, all right, people can be cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh so yeah, so that's that's where that whole feeling, the dead feeling came from. But but it sounds like there was a jump from, you know, hearing this music from your pops and Oh yeah. But how did you at one point did you find your voice and, and realize, oh, singing oh. is my thing and I No, I, I was uh, I was like four or five. Mm-hmm. My sister still has a cassette of me singing um Ben from Michael Jackson when I was five or six. Mm. And I always sang. Like it's, I just always loved it. Did you guys go to church? Like what nope. what was your exposure to singing? Just just through the radio, just pop music? When I was in junior high I was grounded for like a year. <laughs> Probably because of the 50 fights, man. Well, and other things. But <laughs> but I would I'd listen to Casey Kasem's Top 40. Yeah. I listened to the radio or records constantly. And I just had a knack for remembering lyrics. Mm. 
always remembered lyrics in a yeah and then I just and, and when I moved here I wrote 40 songs in like two months mm. because the, it was like everything that it just you know Inspir it, 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 yeah. inspiring it was yeah. just a complete different life right you know and a complete different feel and I still play like about 10 of those songs so really? it's yeah it's awesome you know 25 years later it's like right so 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 you moved to Tempe when Mill is like it's still blowing up. Well, no, no, no. It was, it was calming down from oh, was the it? blow up. Yeah. Okay. Ninety five. Like I consider ninety three, ninety two, ninety three, when Mill, like all you had to do was walk on Mill to get a record deal. Yeah. You know, and so I was like, I want a record deal, and that <laughs> that that faded pretty fast. But I just wanted to be a part of a scene, mm -hmm. a music scene. I knew I wanted to be a part of a music scene, mm -hmm. and. I, so I, I dove in right away, and I made <laughs> I made cassettes of my songs, and I went around. I I, I would just go to shows mm -hmm. all, all, every every time I could every day, and uh, I went around to a bunch of musicians that I respected and gave them a cassette. And said I'm making a record, and I'm starting a band. Come, you know. So I Be bought part of it. Yeah, I bought cases and cases of beer and stuff and. And I paid for the, the studio time. And where was that? What, what studio? Uh, it was Mind's Eye. Uh huh. Mind's Eye with Larry Elier. God, it's so long ago, ninety eight. And uh, yeah, it just it, it, it was amazing, and uh, you know people just came out and came and recorded a track, and some of the first things that they played is or made it to the record. Yeah. So I don't. I like recording like that. Yeah. I instead of like obsessing pounded, over yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I'm not that person, man. Like, I, I don't mind little mistakes. You know, like train wrecks are different things right. on stage, but right. you know, like sometimes little mistakes become a great part of a record. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, I don't know. So when? But all right. But, but when did you start writing songs? Like, was it when you moved out here? Was it before oh, that? Oh no, no, like, no. Yeah, in uh, the Brockton days. Yeah, I started writing my first. <laughs> I, I don't know what year it was. Ninety. 93, 92, 93, but we were, there's a bunch of us, probably, you know, 30, 40, you know, friends, and we're out in the woods, far enough away from sound, and uh, my friend Chris Avilas, who taught me, he was like, he's like, dude, you gotta start playing guitar, because mm. I always sang and played um, bongos, congas, yeah. Yeah. he's like, you gotta start playing guitar, get your story out, I'm like, yeah. and he taught me G, C, and D. Right by the campfire. What else do you need? I didn't need anything else. <laughs> I went home and sat on the roof that night and wrote my first song. Yeah. When I learned my first chords. And the next morning, I was like, dude, check this out. He's like, you did not write that last night. I was like, yeah. I was like, you show me GCND, dude. I'll, I'll, write, I'll write this all day. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that was, it was called Oak Tree. And uh, that was the first song I ever wrote. And uh, I, I was hooked yeah once i played it for people people were like that's your first song like uh, i was hooked yeah i was like i'm gonna do this yeah and i'd never there was nothing else ever in my life that made me feel made me feel right you know i was like right. i don't know i thought i was a sociopath for a little while there and, <laughs> but then i started playing guitar and i was like man this is like 
Yeah, this is how I want to affect the world. Yeah. And uh, that was, yeah, there was, it never changed. After, like, that's, that was the only thing I ever did. Yeah. Was play music and have children. You, you were <laughs> bitten by the bug, man. Oh, my gosh. The bug borrowed itself to my <laughs> brain. Like, like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I gave, I gave my life to it. Not that my life is over, but my youth is gone. And yeah, music, it was, it was... It was an amazing ride. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been really fortunate musically. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to play different countries and all all over the all over America. And I'm working on my eighth record. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was um yeah. It was perfect. Like uh, I Can, did exactly what I wanted to do. Right. And isn't it it's it's like when I look back on my life too, it's Finding music was such a relief. Oh my gosh! You know, like it's like, oh, I have purpose now. Right. Yeah. I don't have to wonder anymore. I know exactly what I need to do. One of my first interviews, someone said, "What would you do if you weren't playing music?" I said, "I'd be a bum. Like I would, I would, I'd be a detriment to society yeah. if I hadn't found music as an outlet." I was. I wasn't. I wasn't a nice person as as a young as a youngster. Like mm-hmm. I. Yeah, music music saved me, and and probably saved a lot of people from me. <laughs> it's it yeah. Can you share some some of those like early gigs in Tempe when you're kind of new to the scene and you're networking and you're playing? Do you have any any shows stand out or 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 um, meetings meeting someone that that really kind of informed you and helped you along the way? Absolutely, I uh, my favorite show that I ever saw still to this day was back. Remember, I don't know if you were here then, but the, the new times used to have the new times awards mm-hmm. and they'd block off mill and to have shows everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I saw Fred green play at Gibson's and I, I was like my first year here and I didn't know any of the big bands and stuff. And I saw, and I was like, Holy hell! Like they blew my they blew my mind. Like mm. I was just like, these guys are sick, man. And the drummer sings. I was like, I'd never seen that before. Mm. And uh, so I was like, all right, I need to be up with these cats. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I met. I was walking down the street, and I met Walt Richardson. <laughs> yeah, and I love Walt because he's the coolest. Yeah, and he said, oh, he goes, oh, you're a player, and I was like, what? Like he goes, oh, I can see it in your eyes. He goes, I, I can, I know that you jam. And I, he goes, you should come jam with me. And I was like, all right. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, I knew who he was, and I was just like, oh my god, I can't even believe I'm talking to this guy. Right. Like now I'm gonna jam with him. I was like, I was like, all right, cool. But uh, my first gig ever. Well, it wasn't my gig. There was a open mic at Coffee Plantation on Mill, uh-huh. and run by this guy Greg Ford. And uh, I started playing, and I had people would come to the open mic to see me play. And so he would, he made, uh, he was so smart. He would book me, but never pay me. He'd book me, <laughs> yeah. You know, he would book me to come play his open mic, and I'd bring people, and he'd look like a you know, right, star. Right. And uh, so. This is mid 90s? Yes, 96. Yeah. Because I, yeah, I got here in 95 and just started. Started pounding. Yeah. And so uh, that was meeting him. 
and uh, like I met a lot of people through that open mic, mm-hmm. and uh, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it was a uh, uh, and one, <laughs> and we put a bucket out for tips, and uh, my I had a conga player. I met a conga player. His name was Jim Wilson, six six. 270 black bald kung fu guy. Whoa. Yeah. Like he does the he does damage. <laughs> and so we're playing. We're jamming. Blah, blah, blah. And uh all of a sudden he just stops and starts running. I was like, someone had ran by and grabbed the money out of the tip jar. No kidding. <laughs> I didn't I play with my eyes closed. Right, I had right. no idea. Right. <laughs> so he caught the person. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. It, was, it was not pretty it was not pretty but we got our money back <laughs> and uh yeah so that one oh that one always i re- always remember that sticks out in your mind and then um after that i met justin eck at a different open mic and we played um she talks to angels by the black crows together right. and he had at the open mic he had 35 to 40 people with him like huh. he brought 40 people to an open mic i was like dude you should get some gigs man like let me you and so we started playing together we started gigging at bojo's this place it was on a mill no not mill uh rural and university yeah and now yeah gannon was talking about bojo's oh my gosh it was epic like it was a tuesday night and like we would pack the place and because they had <laughs> i'll never forget this they had bladder busters on monday night which was, you pay a penny, yeah, penny for a beer, until somebody goes to the bathroom or leaves. What? Yeah. So as long as nobody went in the bathroom or nobody left, beer was a, a penny. Oh my. So it was like super messy, but then it got so popular that it got to the point where people were getting beaten up for going to the bathroom. Uh-huh, so right. now you got people peeing in the corner in a plastic uh. plant. Oh god! Uh, yeah, you know, you know, it's, yeah. it's mid '90s debauchery, man. Like, right. So that happened, and then Bojo's, uh, the the guy who owned it, was from Randolph. Which Randolph. Next, oh man, oh, this is a city next to Brockton. Oh. And so we got along great. I mean, I met a bunch of people playing every week, and then uh, I mean, I met so many people through that place. Pie, like I met all the cousins of the wise. Thoughts. I began and I met so many people through that, and so then they closed, and then I started playing. No wonder. Yeah. I mean, no, you're no. Charging a penny for beer. <laughs> you're going under. <laughs> they lasted a lot longer than they should have. Right. But then I started playing uh, Balboa Cafe, and uh, that place was amazing. I met a whole new group of people. Where is that? Where was that? It was in uh, Hayden Square, mm-hmm. Balboa Cafe Gibson's, mm-hmm. that, and so it's right basically attached to Hayden Square. So in a way, I was like, okay, I've kind of made it. Tempe-wise, like, I'm at Balboa Cafe. I have a weekly. I'm, it's Everything's great. My first gig ever, though, was the Electric Ballroom. Thursdays in the Mustang Room or Fender Room or something like that. I forget what it was called. But yeah, that... <laughs> <laughs> The ballroom. It was just so crazy. Like I can't believe that place ever stayed open. But they. What, what was the instrumentation of that band? Oh, it was um, two acoustics, stand up bass, and congas. Hmm. Yeah, it was very uh, 
songwriter, but our our bass player played Bode. Mm-hmm. It was really cool in the cool. West African drum. It was really really good. But yeah, that's that's kind of where I started learning how to be in a band, mm-hmm. like how to lead a band, I should mm-hmm. say. And uh, that was that. Was, those were great days. And playing mainly original stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah mainly original stuff. And we threw a couple covers just for sure for giggles. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was kind of I don't kind of my shtick for a long time was I played mostly original music uh-huh. when and even to the point where m- most of my peers and most people were like playing covers and doing cover games. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna keep playing. But eventually, I did that mm-hmm. too. But mm-hmm. not I. Yeah, I stayed on the original thing for a long time. Well, and I I totally respect that, and and that's kind of that was my approach when I started and formed Ten Dollar Outfit. I was like, I don't want to learn covers. The, yeah. you, you can go around the block and hear covers if Fact. you want. I want to play my stuff, and kind of a similar instrumentation. It was kind of open. We didn't even have a bass player, but I was just I was just like, listen, let's try to get this stuff out. And if right. and if we and if we can, if we don't, right. we'll sprinkle in some covers. Fact. And I agree with that. Yeah. One hundred percent. That's uh, when a when a band that plays mostly original, as soon as they start playing more covers than originals, that band's over. Mm-hmm. Like I, when I look back, that's it's it's undisputable. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and then but I had I've had I've had friends and. Other musicians that I've been in bands with being like, I don't want to play any covers, and I never understood. Mm. It took me a long time to figure out because that's the end of the band. Like mm. that's the end because you get in a band to be a rock star and to play original music and to make people move, however that however they move. Well, mm-hmm. I think that's why most people do it anyway. Um, and as soon as you start making a move with stuff they already know, mm. the stuff that you're playing don't matter. Right. The, yeah. Well, they're like, well, you played this other thing, right. so do this other thing can you, too. Can you, and then the next time they the, see you, right. can play you the play cover? That? Right. Mm. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's, I I hate that so much. Can I share a, a, a my my first introduction to you? I moved out here in 2003, literally to not Ooh. play music anymore. We were oiled then, man. Well, and I remember coming to town and. You that you were it, homie. Like you were the <laughs> you were the guy that was singer songwriter, acoustic guitar, and you were like running Mill Avenue. Now at that point, you know, it I wasn't got much to run. Right. Well, no, yeah, no, like yeah. you know, so many of those iconic nineties right. venues were gone. But there was still a lot of venues and I was still playing yeah. more shows than anyone else in town. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> you were running it. And I was like, I wanna do I wanna be Sean Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta figure this out. What do I have to do? You know, it's easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. Well, I that's I loved that about. I, I don't want to say just Tempe, but I love that about Arizona. You can play your own stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And people, people will give it a shot. Well, people gave it a shot. I don't know if they still do, but people gave it a shot and were excited to excited for new things. Yeah. You know, and everybody that's, I don't know. I think that one of the main things is everybody wants to be a part of the next big thing. Yeah. You know? And so it's like, 
I don't like what. As long as you enjoy the music, you know what I mean. Like if you yeah. like the music, I don't care why you're why I ask you around. You know. Right. Right. But it's just odd, man. I find it so odd. That were you guys were you guys getting getting some bites from labels at that point, late nineties, early two thousands? Oh, that was yeah. kind of the word on the street. Yeah. It? You know, but never. I don't know. I guess we were, but. Uh, one of, I was too far into the bottle by then. Like, I was at the bottom of the bottle in the early 2000s. And, like, you know, and Walt Richardson came up to me at Belo's one night. And he said, he goes, Sean, he goes, there's people looking at you, man. He's like, you're falling through drum sets. Huh. Like, he's like, what are you doing? Like, right. I'm like, I don't know, Walt. I'm drunk. <laughs> like, he's like, well, dude. Like, and, and now... I, I, I blew it. I, I, I had, I, I was in, I was, I, I jumped off a great springboard in Tempe and then drowned, <laughs> you know, myself. I did it to myself. And, uh, what do you think it was? I mean, well, I, 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 I was facing a lot of demons and stuff like that. Yeah. And just, I didn't, I never wanted to be famous. Never. Yeah. Like, I would have liked to made money, mm. but I never wanted to be famous. Like I, like I, like we were talking about. I don't. I'm not into that whole like. Call it the personality or, or yeah, or, no, yeah. I don't. I just it's not. It's not me, man. I can't. I'm. I'm not. I'm not. I don't know. Smooth enough. I'm. I'm a little rough around the edges when it, socially, mm-hmm. and uh, I have a problem with. Not, I don't want to say speaking my mind, but I like to say out loud the things that people don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. And pe- yeah, people don't really like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they just want to hear exactly what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. And when you're not saying things like that, they don't want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know. I just, I think what happened with that was I didn't give it the respect it deserved. Mm-hmm. And so... Like and you know, just like anything else, you could be here and then you're here and then you're here and then you're here like real fast. Mm-hmm. And Tempe's such a small town. It's a, rumor went around quick that I was difficult, mm. and uh, so then I decided to be difficult. Right? Yeah, you know, I did. The, I was childish, man. I was like really, really childish. It really egotistical for a long time. And uh, that comes back to bite in the ass, man. Mm-hmm. Like, how did that manifest? I mean, did you see gigs drop off? Did did were you not able to find players to play with you, or or all, all of that at really? certain times? And then I went through the then I went through this other stage where I was bad at handling money and business. Mm. Like, you know, I'd go a gig and owe somebody for a gig, and that news travels real fast among players, and it's mm-hmm. just like. But it was there. How do I say this? My name in Tempe, Scottsdale, whatever, always stayed big enough so that people were like, all right, I know I could make some money with him. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm out of work. Mm-hmm. So that 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 was always cool. Like I never ran out of players, um, and oppor- venues and opportunities open and shut 
mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. I just, um, which I'm very, very excited about. I just booked a monthly residency in Del Mar. A friend of mine owns a bar, a restaurant that overlooks the ocean in Del Mar. And I'm playing every first weekend. Whoa. So I'm excited about that, man. Because like, it's an awesome gig. You know, and uh, he's like one of my best friends. And I guess and he's going family. on to do it solo? Yes. What's the name of the joint? It's called uh, The Monarch. Okay. Monarch Ocean Pub. Nice. And if you want to do it, man, I'll, I'll, I'll give you his number for sure, man. Like, he, yeah. you, you'd kill there. Because, you know, it's, a, it's an older crowd. It's a, you know, it's dough. It's Del yeah. Mar. Right. You know, and it's like, it's right downtown in Del Mar. It overlooks the ocean. It's, yeah. It's legit. You know? Okay. So um, I'm doing that. And uh, I got invited to play Circus Mexicus this year. And I'm so excited about that. And what are the details on that? I don't know exactly where I'm playing. I'm playing, well, it's the second week of June. And I'm playing Thursday, Friday. And then I have Saturday, Sunday off. Nice. And I'm staying with some friends, Jen and I, my wife. We're staying with some friends Saturday, Sunday. You know, they give you a place if, when mm-hmm. you're playing. Um, so I'm super excited about that. That's fun. Who used, else is on the bill? Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, it's with Roger and yeah. the Peacemakers. Uh, yeah, I I don't know everybody. Drew Cooper, um, out of Tucson, Drew. Yeah, Drew, yeah. and uh, there's a country band that plays rock bar a lot. I always, I always forget their name. I don't know. They're awesome, really, really, really good. So so a combination of some Tucson folks, some Phoenix yeah. folks, yeah, and yeah. it's down in Rocky Point. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's like a four day thing, and uh, it gets packed. Yeah, I bet. And, it, is and, it at wrecked or where is it? Um. No, it's at Bandito's mostly. Uh, well, you know, I don't know where it's going to be this year. I think it's going to, I think they cleared land behind Bandito's mm. and put up a new stage, I think. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, well, because, like, you know, a few years ago, I lived in Rocky Point for a year. Mm. And uh, it was amazing. It was mm-hmm. like so much fun and just being part of a different culture. And like I worked with a lot of people that lived there. And well, <laughs> it was really odd. Because when I first got there, you know, I'm talking, just meeting people and talking to people who are from there. They're all from Phoenix, mm-hmm. and they all got deported because of DUIs and stuff like that. No kidding. Yeah, but it's like, like ten people that I talked to, were like, yeah, all my family's in Phoenix. I got deported because I got arrested. It's like, and but they owned it. They were like, nope, I knew I shouldn't have done that. You know, like they weren't like freaking cops. They, they were like, American citizens. Obviously not. No. Okay, got yeah, you. No, no, no. They were, but they were. You know, I see. They came across. Their parents brought them over. Got you. Yeah. Oh, and then they got in trouble. Right. So they sent, so they got sent home. Back. Right. I see. I yeah. got you. Okay. And uh, that was like it was a, it was really weird. What, what did you do out there? Did you work? Have a day gig or did you uh, just do yeah, music? Yeah. The before it was Banditos, it was called the Hut, and the guy that owned Wrecked at the Reef wanted me to be the house guy. So he's like, "Come down." We went. <laughs> it was amazing, actually. He's like, come down and uh, play my wife's birthday party. So he puts me and my wife up in this, boom, three-bedroom beachfront condo. We, he takes me out golfing, hitting the ball. He's like, all right. So the reason I had you down here is because I want you to move here, and I want you to play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then run the bar during the week. I was like, and he's, like, he's paying like American money, and I'm mm-hmm. living in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, that that sounds good. That sounds <laughs> that sounds awesome, man. I'll do that. And so I went down and I got a 
fifth floor beachfront condo, two bedroom, walking distance to the bar. And uh, yeah, I'd run the bar. Have you had you ever managed a bar before? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Spent yeah. enough time in yeah, there right, right. to know. I knew he was like, "This is what you need to do." I'm like, "Got this it. Is simple. Yeah. Make sure nobody takes anything. Right. That's it." Make sure no one's giving away shots and shots and shots. Right. So I did that. And uh, then, like, and the reason I found out later, the reason he had opened that bar when he owned Rekt already, because the um, port, they were starting to build the port. Uh huh, yeah. And he thought Rekt was going to get torn down. Oh, interesting. And then Mr. Brown, the guy that runs Rocky Point, he said, no, I want people. When people come off the ship, right. I want them to walk straight into Rekt. He's like, oh, okay. So so he sold the hut. I got and you. And I was like, damn it. And what then, year was this? Nine, 2000. Shit. Where are we? 23? So probably like 14 or 15, 2015 okay. maybe. Nice. And uh, then Roger's father bought it. Stepfather bought it. And... I, we didn't get along. Yeah, and they, yeah. He wanted me out right yeah. as soon as he bought the place because I was making, <laughs> I was making decent money from You're playing right. three days a week. Right. And uh, so I I moved back to Tempe, and what I did notice about that was, because I was there for a year, all the gigs I had, I was at the back of the line. Huh. You know, so it was like, you got to. It wasn't starting over because people still knew my name and stuff, but. Yeah, I had to go talk to people and right. get gigs again. I was right. like, it was like so, like so foreign because for the last 10 years, people were calling me f- to come play their places. Yeah, longer than 10 years, homie. Well, yeah, I know. But I mean, for that that's, mm-hmm. that space of I didn't, I had, I was playing three, four days a week. I never had to make a phone call. Right. You know, so that, right. yeah. You were out of the grind mode. Right. right? And you were Absolutely. just letting people call, which... You know, happens af- right. after a number of years after grinding. of grinding. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's supposed to, anyway. Right. So, right. So, yeah, that I felt like the grind led me to this amazing gig in Mexico. Yeah. You know, and along the way, I I got to play in Australia, New Zealand. Like, I had a guy out of nowhere. He used to work at Rulabula, and he worked for the airlines in Australia now. He's like, I want to bring you out. You can stay at my house, and I'm going to book you shows. I'm going to book you 10 shows in Melbourne. Great. I was like, I'm like, dude, I don't, I'm not gay. Like, you know, I'm like, <laughs> so I don't, like, I don't, right. I don't understand. Like, because right. people talk shit all the time. So you're like, right. yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two weeks later, ticket, airplane ticket to Melbourne comes in the mail. I was like, holy shit, this fucking guy's serious. And uh, so I went out and played eight shows, man. It was, wow. Yeah, it was a, it was awesome. And then I had some friends fly me over to New Zealand to play a show at their house. It was cool. Yeah, it was a it was amazing. So the, the my my line in my head, if I had just listened to myself about where the music the music took me everywhere I ever wanted to go. Yeah. And uh yeah, it's been amazing. You know, and I've I haven't had a regular job and so long and my kids I, they never had to go to daycare like I you know yeah. were, I was home with them during the day so I don't know it's just been, it's been amazing man. yeah like, I love I love Tempe and I love the life I chose and now I have wife number three <laughs> cause every time's a charm baby 
that's what I think, man. She's amazing, and uh, I, you know, I I couldn't ask for anything else. Yeah. Honestly, man, like I, I I go home. I'm playing a couple shows back in Mass this year, this summer. Right. Where are you playing? Uh, in Onset. Where's that? Uh, like Wareham Onset. It's like where the bridge is to the Cape. Okay. So it's like right there. Oh, probably real near situated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm playing some friends of mine, a, a band called the Whiskey Saints, are kind of big in the Boston area right now, and I'm opening for them. I've done the drummer for years and years, and uh, yeah, so I'm excited about that. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get these two new songs that I wrote recently recorded before I do that. Mm-hmm. So have something to sell or have have new just, tunes to play. And... Yeah, well, I'm gonna play them no matter what, but. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be playing electric on these songs, so they're gonna be a little bit different for me. Just want to pass it out, yeah. get it to people, see that let everyone know I'm still working. <laughs> did you Did you ever play in the Boston area? Like, do, did you do a have, like Har- Harper's Ferry? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Middle East. And, yep, Middle East. Uh, and uh, we TT the Bears and there's a, I hated that club though. <laughs> that place was awful. <laughs> uh, but I uh, we yeah we played a we had a packed show. On a Sunday one time at the House of Blues. Yeah. The original one. It was small, but it was it was amazing. That yeah. was so much fun. And yeah, he played on the Cape a couple times and uh Yeah. Not 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 a long time. It was a uh, Boston's like so like there's not a music well, back then there wasn't a music seed. And especially if you were from Brockton. Huh. You didn't like you. There was like a, one or two clubs that you played in the South Shore area. Yeah. But there, like, music was very divisive back then. Like, huh. like you were he, like, there weren't bands helping each other out. I was right. like, we're gonna destroy you tonight. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. So I was like, and I never. And it was like that four or five band like showcase night, yep. right? Where yep. you everyone gets an hour. Everyone, yes. And uh, you make lucky, money based on how many people come. You bring tickets. Yeah. Right. Right. So I get. 50% of the 15 people that I <laughs> so brought I'm, to my I'm, thing. I'm here to make you money. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's yeah. pay to play. Yeah. You yeah. You're, you're right. And, uh, no, I, 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 I did a couple of those shows and I was like, this isn't it. No, man. this don't, no, no way. This is not it. My only, I have, I've never been to Austin and I've never been to Nashville. Mm. So those are two music places that I still really <clears throat> need to visit. <clears throat> and I want to play there. I want to play in Austin. I want to play in Nashville. Hell yeah. But that besides that, I've I've Pardon? No, I just said Texas. 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 <laughs> I just said Texas. <laughs> Everyone's like, what? <laughs> let's take a let's take a short break. Cool. See ya. Hey there, I am Boomer. And I'm Pixie Ola. Our podcast, Service Entrance People, is for and about the gritty, underpaid, underprivileged service industry workers of the world. Unite! Day in and day out, we walk through the parking lot of broken dreams. So if you're interested in listening and sharing in the war stories of the, the industry, and if you're curious as to what us, the help, are really thinking, we are going to educate you with stories of the strange, shocking, and hilarious, because Laughing is the only way that we can think to even try to get our ways through each day. <laughs> this industry is one that we absolutely, truly love. And although you'll hear horror stories and rants and bitching that we have to work at 
work because that's the kind of petty betty that we are. We kid because we care. You can find Service Entrance People on all major platforms as well as YouTube and would like to say thank you for tuning into my friend Brian Chartrand and the So The Story Goes podcast. I've known him for longer than he or I would admit and yes, he is that cool in real life. Hola, hola, hola. ¿Cómo estás? <laughs> ¿Cómo estás? <laughs> I said, ¿Cómo estás? <laughs> All right, so we're going to do a quick song right here. Me and my boy Xavier Johnson. Hello. He's got the cool sunglasses on. The exes. This song is called Where I Belong. Broken down on a broken road in a part of America that didn't survive. Trying to make it to the next stage. Cause it's where I feel most alive. It's funny, it'll probably be where I die. Oh no, not today. I'ma sing it loud and I'ma sing it strong I'm right here where I belong with you With you And I'ma sing it loud and I'ma sing it strong I'm right here where I belong with you With you Well it's in my blood I dream it when I sleep And I pray the music my soul to keep don't you? It's where I was born to belong Right here in the middle of a song It's true And I'ma sing it loud And I'ma sing it strong I'm right here where I belong With you With you I'ma sing it loud and I'ma sing it strong I'm right here where I belong with you Boom! <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> In the middle of, yes I do. Yes I do. <laughs> Shoo. <laughs> well that was a, that was a first. Yes. Facts. So tell me about this song. Oh, Where I Belong. It's uh, my newest the song I wrote, the newest song I have, and uh, I'm going to be playing it on electric. Cool. Yes, I'm very excited about that. Tell me about the new, tell me about the new gear, the new guitar. Oh, yeah. A friend of mine made me a new guitar that has humbuckers, two humbuckers, and a Bigsby on it. And nice. uh, yeah, I've never, ever had an electric with humbuckers, so I'm really mm -hmm. enjoying the new sound, and uh, so yeah, I've been playing a lot of electric lately. Is it a telly? No, it's uh, it's in. I would say it's a shape, more shape of a, of a Strat. Of a, no, no, of a of a, of a Gibson. Okay. Um, I I do have a thin line telly as well. I love the thin line tellies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, a thing. Yeah, no doubt. Know. Yeah, yeah. You know. I'm a I'm not that good yet. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a whole different physicality. Yeah. 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 It's a, and so I'm really excited about this guitar because I'm I'm able. It's a lot easier for me to play chords and I'm 
when it comes to electric, I'm really into distortion. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I mean, I like, like I see you love Steely Dan. I'm a, I'm a huge Steely Dan fan too, but I just, I don't know, man. There's something about electric guitar distorted and loud that mm-hmm. moves mm-hmm. me. When it breaks up a little bit, oh, it's yeah. crunchy. And, oh yeah. Yeah. Feedback. It's like, yeah, bring it on. Yeah. 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 yeah, I'm a, yeah so I, tell me about this song. What was the inspiration behind it? Oh, this is well, where I belong. I don't know. That's really weird. It's just one of those. Um, just it's just it's it's like I don't I don't really know I don't know what inspired it. Do you know? Did a lyric come first? No, you know what this this one came together, like music and lyrics, mm. and all at once too. It wasn't mm-hmm. like it, I just sat down and wrote it. I love it, when that happens. Me too. It's it's so it doesn't well for me. Also, it doesn't happen that often. It's mm-hmm. usually like either like a riff or mm-hmm. a line, and then you build around mm-hmm. it. This one came all at once. And, uh, was it in San, San Diego? Or? Did I write it in San Diego? Yeah. We, the, I remember the first time I ever added added like my background vocals to it. This is Xavier Johnson, by the way. Get in yes. on it. Get, this is your first have, podcast, a, homie. Let's go. I have a higher voice. It's not Sean Johnson. <laughs> Well, he magically transformed into a child. But <laughs> it, was, it was the first time I heard it was in San Diego. He just he just started playing. I was laying there in my air mattress, uh-huh. <laughs> and then I don't know. He was like, "Oh, add like add some vocals to it." And so it was just kind of like, "Ooh," and then it turned into the very long "Ooh." <laughs> that sounded good, bro. You. <laughs> Your pitch is on, and and uh, that's what matters, <clears throat> right? I, just, I don't, you know, what? I don't remember writing that song. Yeah, it's weird. Um, yeah, I don't really remember writing it, but all I know is a, uh, it's, I, maybe it's something from a dream or something. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, it's like completely, it's just like super honest. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like. Mm-hmm. I've been broken down on a broken road in a part of America that didn't survive. Like that—that mm-hmm. that lyric came to me, and I just thought it was so visual. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Yeah, that's." I got up and wrote it down because mm-hmm. like, that's the key, mm-hmm. right? Like, you songwriters have a thousand song ideas a day. Like, what what do you get up and finish? You know. But this is an interesting point because I feel like. Ninety-five percent of songwriting is just writing it down. Yeah. Oh. Well. Right. I. I. I concur. It's like you have these ideas and they come in and they leave. Yep. And they go into the ether. And you, you know, you wake up with an idea, or you never remember it, or you go to bed with an idea. Yes. Ninety-five percent of finishing a song is just writing it down. Writing down the first inspiration. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's the. I agree one hundred percent. Yeah. Like. I, I scold myself uh, when I don't right when I don't get up and do it. Right. It's like I feel like I'm doing something wrong. Like I've been given this gift, or and I've um, I've practiced and molded and you know challenged right. myself. Right. And it's it's we're just you know conduits. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You know, and if you don't keep your ear and your heart open. It, yeah. it it's it closes quick, man. Right. It's like it's like all of a sudden, but yeah, it's almost you know, it's almost a disservice to not. That's how that's how I feel about it. It's like I, I agree. 
How dare you? Right. Like you, I mean, it's You've not like you're given something. Take the time. Get up out of bed. No matter where you are. Right. Get up and write down that inspiration. Yeah. Like that's a, I, I, I had that lyric in one of my songs where it's just like, you know, how, like get up. Mm-hmm. How dare you? Like, mm-hmm. You are a bringer of happiness and music and intelligence. Like, you, it comes through us, and we we say like we don't have very I don't have very many one on one conversations. Like I'm usually speaking and yelling to multitude of people mm. about my beliefs and things like that. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's a complete disservice if you have an idea for a song and and don't take the first step, which right. is the hardest step. Right. Right. So, you know. Yeah. Well, who's going to be on that particular tune? We well, started talking I'm about re- it. Oh, yeah. I really hope. Well, I've talked to Kevin Redlick, who's an amazing guitar player in town, and uh, Steve Faulkner to play bass. Mm-hmm. I know Steve. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping. I can't, I've, I've never played with Mike Hill. So I really. I'm, I'm, I've talked to Dash. You know Dash? Mm-mm. Dash Williamson. Mm-mm. Guitar player, um, drummer, bass player. And he's down, but his schedule's kind of. Um, busy, mm-hmm. and so I've never played with Mike Hill, and I think he would crush this song. Like, I'm really hoping to get Faulkner and Mike Hill. Mike Hill on drums, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'd love, I've, I've, I've seen Mike Hill since Yoko Love. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I've always wanted to play with him. He's such a like, and he, he was doing those. Um, what is it called? Uh, the something, something brothers. Oh yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like having people come in there, yes. and they were into a rhythm the, section. Into his studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I never, I wanted to do that, and I didn't get to do that. And I, I think they still play together and stuff. But I'm gonna try and get Mike Hill to play <sighs> drums on this song, and just to have it be a rock rocker, and roll, rock and roll. And I, I, I want Faulkner to just funk through it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I, and Redlick is a Redlick is a whiskey. Southern rock guitar player, but he's mm. you know he's from Kansas, you know? mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, he's amazing. That's it, man. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm excited to That's try great. to do that. Yeah, and 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 you have some other tunes in the hopper, and then you're oh, trying yeah. to get recorded and. Yep, that's 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 next. There's there's a new segment of my podcast, and I was just over at my buddy's house, and he had this thing called Songversations, right? And it's just questions that can maybe lead to other questions. Okay, like musical? Yeah, musical questions. Cool. I've had my eye on that the whole time. I know, let's let's dig in. Pink Floyd is my favorite band. <laughs> okay, next. <laughs> so, and I think the packaging is super cool. Oh, right? yeah, like little, little, 45s, little 45s. You know? yeah. See, so, that's awesome. Man. I, right? I, I want to make a 45. No, and, yeah. and, and, and this is what you know we were rapping about before. You actually want to press 45. Oh, yeah, yeah. I want to pr- press. So one song on two, A. Two songs, yeah. A, a and side, B. A and B. Yep. Yeah. And then, because I never cared or never thought of it. But my wife was like, Sean, when you put out a record, people listen to one or two songs, maybe. Like, mm-hmm. nobody has time to sit down anymore and listen to 50 minutes of music. Right. You know, so some songs don't get listened to. Mm-hmm. And I, me too. I, I, I still listen to records, so. Right. But we're weird. <laughs> um, so I'm going to. But you knew that already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I'm just going to pick one at random. Okay. I, I don't, I'm not, I don't know anything about anything. I'm just going to. So, so anyway, in this thing, in this little packaging, there's these little 45s and questions on either side. 
and they're all mixed up, and I don't know, so I'm just going to pick one. Cool. I hope I have answers. No. <laughs> Well, this might be. This is. This kind of ties in actually to your to your time in, in Rocky Point. It says you've rented the perfect beach house. What song do you play while lying on a hammock gazing at the water? Spending time with me. What is that? It's a song that I wrote while staring at the water in no Mexico. Kidding. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, it's a when you spending time with me. Yeah, it's called spending time with me. Prehistoric. Baby comes back to me. Oh, baby, come back to me. Is it on Spotify? It's or? on Spotify right. under um, my last record, which was 2018. I can't even think of the name of it. It's so bad. Sunshine for Someone is the name of the record. Um, it's called Spending Time with Me. And yeah, I it's about the first time I was that I was living in Rocky Point, and my family. Jen was gone. My kids were in Eric work in you know Scottsdale. Like I had a day off. I didn't like. I all of a sudden lived in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, uh, and so and when you when you get to um, Puerto Penasco, Rocky Point, you are inundated with Roger Klein music. Yeah. Like every it's every store is playing it. Uh. Like he's pictures everywhere. It's uh. he owns that place. Yeah. And so uh, I wrote this song. Inspired by the newness of Mexico and the newness of all this Roger music, Roger Klein music that I've been hearing. And so when I went to record it, Jaron, you know Jaron. Yeah. He's like, what do you Jaren want me to do? Jaron Mossman. Yeah. Shout out. He's the man. Come on. He goes, uh, he's like, what do you want me to do on the drums? I'm like, do what Roger, do what PH would do. And so he he kind of did that. And then I, I recorded it stem with um Curtis. Yeah. And uh He's like, you should have, uh, you should have Larson play on this because Larson, Steve Larson, used to play guitar for Roger. I was like, I don't know him like that. And so he calls right away, gets on the phone. He's like, you should come to my studio right now. Steve Larson shows up, no, learned the song and played three tracks. I was like, he just put three tracks together, boom, 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 and it's this amazing. Larson just has his own sound, you know, oh. and it. <sighs> It made it like yeah. it made it very peacemakerish, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like because uh-huh. that, that that's the sound that was it was they're born from. Right. And uh so yeah, that's the song I would play laying on a hammock. All right. For sure. All right. Yeah. I wrote a song on Rocky Point. Oh, killer. When I turned shit. Thirty? Did I turn <laughs> I don't know how old you are now. <laughs> so you can I'm say 40. Anything. Hold on, I'm 40. I think I just turned 47. Okay. But when I when I turned 30, we rented a house on the beach in Rocky Point. One of those big ass ones? Yeah. Casa oh. Nirvana. Oh yeah. I know exactly where that is. <clears throat> and a uh, bunch of friends flew out and we had a 
party. Oh, we had <laughs> at least one ball. <laughs> we, had, <laughs> we had a little bit of fun. And I wrote a song uh, called What I'm Looking For. And there's something, you know, there's something about being on the beach and feeling the energy Whoa. and and the there's just something soothing about it and and I wrote this tune just about sitting on the beach with a six pack and a cheeseburger and I mean it, you know it's like it's like uh uh fucking cheeseburger in paradise basically oh, okay. you know what I'm gotcha. saying you know it's a, that's a big hit man I know it's a big <laughs> hit <laughs> I uh, yeah man I, I there's something magic I, about I it I love sitting when I'm not right I mean, when you get to the point where you're sick of not being right, right, I just go and sit on the beach, because uh-huh. I just it makes me feel level, yeah, with the world, yeah. Like I feel like I'm on the same plane because it just goes and goes and goes, and yeah. And the sound, like waves crashing, is like yeah, one of my top five favorites. Yeah. Can we talk about 2018? Pop music. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. I forgot. If that's about that. all right. Yeah. Of course. Just because I think it's such a it's such an empowering story and, and a story that I think that a lot of people will will take from. You know. I uh, so. Oh, that was yeah. That came. So 2018, I had just finished making my seventh record, Sunshine for Someone, and I had a stroke. And uh, they ha- my brain started to swell, and they had to take part of my skull and drain the fluid out so my brain wouldn't touch the skull. skull. And so, uh, yeah, that was, it was, like, really, really scary. But I, only one time ever when I was in the ambulance on the way there did I think that I might die. Mm. And uh, then I was in the ICU, and Walt Richardson came and did a Reiki treatment on me while I was in the hospital. Whoa. And uh, he just said, he's going to be fine. He turned around and said that to my wife. And honestly, oh, yeah, I didn't hear it, but you know, I found out later. And, uh, and yeah, and uh, I recovered, got out of the ICU, spent lots of time in rehab, which is, I, there's this thing called um, rehab. Uh, I forget what it's called, but it's, it's basically like temporary insanity from being in the ICU for so long. Mm. How long were you in ICU? Uh, three weeks, I think. Mm. Two weeks, three weeks, I think. Um, that was like super weird because I like they put me in a medically induced coma, and so after like coming out of that, there's like. A memory and a memory. Mm-hmm. Like, like, mm-hmm. and, uh, I remember one time I woke up and the doctor was yelling at my wife saying, this could be prevented. Like he doesn't need to be like, and I just, mm. I just remember like not having the power to get up and punch the dude in the face. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wanted to get up and be like, what the fuck are you yelling at me? You know, like, mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah. That, what, what brought the stroke on? Do you, do you have that intel? Um, fat. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, uh, oh, I'm not supposed to say that. <laughs> um, so no, no. The pH. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, uh, I never, I never took care of myself, oh. and uh, along with all the partying and you know, tempy stuff that goes along with being a rocker, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Just caught up with you. Caught up with me. Uh, you know, I'm 54 now, so I was I was 49, and that's what the, that's what the doctor said. The, do- the doctor goes after you know, come out, had a checkup and stuff. He goes, all right, so you're gonna be 50. You've already had a stroke. You need to lose like 80 pounds or grow a foot. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, yeah, you need to grow like a foot or lose like 80 pounds, mate. He goes, you, you got to do something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, pick one. Right, yeah. <laughs> I chose to grow a foot, but it didn't work out. That's right. That's right. And, uh, and so then I was in rehab for a while. And then when I was in rehab for, uh, you know, I tried to play guitar and the timing was gone. I don't like the first. I probably should have tried to play like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, but you know the first song I tried to play is Crash. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because mm-hmm. right. that comes to my head. It's it's a weird timing, and I was like, I couldn't I couldn't play four four, mm. and so that was really scary. And so I thought everything that I just you know the last twenty years, I thought it was all for naught, and uh, I just I couldn't take that. My mind was just like, there's no way that you're never going to play guitar again. It can't be. And so I started practicing like I just started playing. I started playing eight hours, six, seven, eight hours a day, every day, just strumming, mm-hmm. you know, to metronome. I was just going to say to, to oh, a click or oh, something. Yeah. Oh, or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that was absolutely necessary. I, and then over the next couple weeks, my muscle memory started coming back and like songs started popping up and like rhythms and stuff every like just you know because i play very rhythmically and uh, i yeah it was a it was a long road mm-hmm. it uh gannon which you talked to last week gannon would come over to my house and he would take walks with me mm. like he's just he's like one of my best friends ever like i i love that guy and it, so, so yeah like he would come over and we would just take a walk because like i had to relearn how to walk i had to relearn mm. how to eat and everything mm. it was mm. Did you, I mean, I would imagine, and, and this is, by the way, like right on the heels of the lockdown and the pandemic oh, yeah. and that whole thing. Oh, yeah. Like, and I found myself really questioning who I was because I couldn't go out and do the thing. Physically, I could do it. Right. But I couldn't go out and play oh, and God. make money right. and yeah. feel that thing yeah. again. And I had a real crisis of identity. So you had to, you had to deal with that. On a physical level. And a mental level, because I had just made a record that I didn't get right. to put out. Right. And it was like, all right, so. What do you do now? What? Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Am I, am I going to go work at Circle K? Like, what? Right. And uh, so event, my wife, who is the brains behind everything, she, uh, she goes, you should have, you should get everybody that played in the record. And have and play play the record live, start to finish, and I was like, "That's brilliant," you know, because and that, so that's what we did. We got everybody, and uh, Jaron played drums, and Marcus Sweden played mm-hmm. bass. Mm-hmm. So they relearned all their parts, and we played the record at Rock Bar, mm-hmm. start to finish, and Love then it. yeah, and uh, it was amazing. The news came out and filmed it, and we did some. Uh, film promo beforehand and uh and i just remember i don't i remember sitting at the bar with two friends of mine and one of my friends was like 
dude, what do you think? You're like some kind of like joking around. He's like, you think you're some kind of big deal or something? And my other friend was like, news ain't coming out for you. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, dog, what? <laughs> and uh, it was like just a really cool thing, you know, yeah. to know that on whatever level, it the music mattered, mm-hmm. you know, it, it matters. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's that's all I really wanted. Yeah, you know, I just I just I, I wanted to leave. It didn't start with leaving anything behind, but you know, as you grow, leaving something behind that said I was here and have it being positive, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. and along the, like my, my greatest accomplishments, that's not what I'm really talking about, but my greatest accomplishment where people come up and be like, yo, this song saved me. This song got me through this. This mm-hmm. song got me through that. Like that's the shit that matters man, mm-hmm. to me. You know, it's like, you know, I love it too. Cause like some people are just like, man, I saw you once and I just had the greatest time. It's like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. How come only once? Right, <laughs> like, right, uh, right. Or for me, because I've been in town so long, I've run into somebody I haven't seen in a decade, let's say. Yeah. And they're like, you're still around? Like, yeah, man, I'm still playing music. Yeah, that's what I do. I, that's all. You know what I mean? Like, just, yeah, come see me. I'll be right. here. I'll be here. I'll be here. Right. Whatever. Right. You know, but people are like, they're like, what? They can't, they can't yeah. believe it. And I'm like, yeah. I don't. Was I supposed to stop playing when you stopped liking it, or right, when you pulled right. up the track? Like, this is me. This is right. what I do. Right. <laughs> well, that's. I mean, it really is inspiring to to hear that you were able to overcome that moment in your life, and then and then you got through the pandemic, and now you're still making music, and you're yeah. still following that that passion of a kid. Oh, right? absolutely, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's what, what we, it is. We both get to do this. We don't want to be adults. <laughs> no. I'm pushing that shit off as long as fucking Dude, I'm possible, 54. Yeah. I, I grew up yeah. at when I was like 51 or something. Right, <laughs> you know I mean? right. like, yeah. My wife was like, all right, you know, Maybe time for you time. to grow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, fine. I like <laughs> stomping my feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to my room. <laughs> I'm going to play Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, but it's important to me to, it's important to me to teach him and my daughter that your dreams matter. Mm-hmm. That's and and obtainable. Yeah, right, oh, right. Because no one gets into the music business thinking, "Oh, this is going to be an easy ride." Well, if they, that was if they did that, they're silly. Right. <laughs> yeah. It takes a lot of fucking hard work, dedication, Commitment, hours yeah. and hours and hours of practice, and you have to have your shit together. Everyone thinks that. You know, or maybe the misconception of artists is that they're flaky or that they're not driven or any of that shit. And you will not get out the door without those things. People can't do what I do. No. Simple as that. Like, you could, you could, I don't, one of the things that mm, I probably should have done, I should have cared what other people thought more. Because mm. I didn't. Mm. I, I honestly did not care. And uh, so I just did my thing, mm-hmm. like, and I'm proud of that. And then sometimes I wish I would have played the game a little more. Mm-hmm. But overall, I, I just you know, it's been amazing. Like I can't, I I did it. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I played music for a living. Right. You know. Right. <laughs> it really is. I mean, when you zoom out and you think, you know. We could we could have desk jobs somewhere, and we could have oh, done I had one. maybe. Yeah, I did too, and, and, it, and it, not for me. No, you know <laughs> what I mean. I would definitely, in my opinion, 
I would have jumped by now. I, there's, yeah. there's no way I would have been able to suit and tie the last 25 years. Oh, right. God. Right. I get bored playing music sometimes, right. man. Right. Where every day is like something, like, you know, if it's not a different venue, it's a different different people. Like, right. There's something different that I could choose what to play. Right. That's another thing. Like, I just, I was recently playing for this booking agency that, how did I say? It? They wanted me to new up my playlist. They uh-huh. wanted me to start. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not playing the weekend. That's what, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now. I'm not playing the weekend song. And I, I, I'm not doing it. So if that's what you're looking for, just stop calling me. Yeah, there's another <laughs> band that will do that happily. Yes, but I'm not. And and that's another thing with age, though. I feel like it's yeah. like you sink into, and and for better or for worse, this is what I do. Yep. Now, right? You you can you can you can be the guy that learns all the new shit, and, right. and sure you'll get work. There's plenty of work in this town. Facts. You can. We get to decide, and I love yes. that perspective. Like, and I, and I think that that comes with time. And you know, we've done a th- millions of gigs, right. and we get to say, ah, maybe not this one. Yeah, you know? right, right. But yeah. this one's cool. All right, okay. you know. Anyway, I'm I'm really grateful for your time. Appreciate it, man. And your time. Yes. Cool guy over here <laughs> in the shades. Uh, I'm excited to hear the new stuff. I'm excited to get it recorded. And I'm psyched to hear it, and I'm and I'm psyched to see you back uh, making music and and kind of uh, still being an inspiration uh, to me. Uh, you know, the young kid that came to town and thought, "Well, Sean Johnson, he's the shit, man. What, what do I got to do to do what he gets to do?" You know, just do it. <laughs> if you know anyone out there listening, don't don't be scared. Like like haters are gonna hate. Like yeah. just do your thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And That's, spend the time and, right. and refine your craft. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Don't suck. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, I don't, that's a much better way to say it. But, you know what I mean? Like, if you, if you, you know if you're, if you're good or not. Right. You know, like, just be good. And, and I think that the, uh, one of our common threads is that, you know, we hit the open mics. We, oh, we, yeah. We, you, you spend Still. the time to, to, to play and to get in front of people and to road test songs and, and just to see where you're at kind of. In the group, I love going to open mics now. No shit, because like you know, like because other other people in town, you know, they, you know, they've seen me play for, and they're like, "Yo, Sean Johnson's at an open mic." I'm like, "That's right, man. I want to see who's coming up. Right. Like, I want to see what if there's something different that I need to pay attention to. Like, right, right. You know, and I have these new songs I want to play and test out. And right. Yeah, man. Open mics are. That's where I got my start. So. Right. Yeah, me too. In town, Rula Bula. That's oh. where I met Walt. That's where I started Ten Dollar Outfit. Like that's that was it for me. I, I played, I I played Rula Bula for so long, so many times. Some of the <laughs> R.I.P. Rula Bula. Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah, I miss that place. Some of the best and craziest times ever were there. Yeah. No. <laughs> I can't. I know. I can't. Once we start, well, once we start opening that door, the, I I I see a girl shit herself at Rula Bula, <laughs> like like and no, like no joke, like full on standing there, poof. And then the worst, but the worst part was her friends just walked away from her, uh, just and abandoned. left her, and I was just like. I was like, you must be an asshole. <laughs> like, right, I was like, right. they didn't like take it, honey. You should go home. Like, yeah. like, oh my god! Sitting there in the middle of the bar, shit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the band, 
and the band was just like, we made somebody shit themselves here. <laughs> right, right, right. They hit the brown note. <laughs> so, Sean, awesome, man. Appreciate Thanks, your time. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you. High five. High five. Very nice.